Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Actually, if you guys don't remember, Regal, a couple of weeks back, actually was talking about singing a song over his children. Right? You guys remember that? And I, I really felt like something happened that day where God was trying to tell us something else. So he, God was telling me this, this melody that I'm giving you isn't necessarily for your time, but it's for you to inherit. It's for you to receive it. It's for you to try to understand it. Um, and, it's, and it was to leave a legacy. We leave, we leave this life Okay, we, we live this Christianity, this faith before man, and our, our melodies, the melodies of our life, of our devotion to God, bring forth legacy or uh, leave a legacy to those who we communicate with, who those we contact, those who do life with us, or those we encounter in moments. And I, I understood that he was giving us something greater. Instead of us just coming here and, and listening to a song and us really kind of getting something from it and feeling a certain way, I think what God was actually trying to tell us is, I'm trying to bring you back to a place where it's not the song that affects you. It's not the melody that you hear, but it's the melody that you become that actually affects this world. And so I think this is the melody that he wants to give us. It's a melody that leaves legacy. Um, in 1 Peter 2.9, uh, by the way, guys, we might do a lot of Bible. Anybody here have a problem with reading a lot of Bible? I hope not. We're in church because we're going to read. Um, <laughs> they, God was also speaking to me when I felt like these songs didn't have, make any sense. Uh, when, when these songs I felt were very peculiar, very specific to to a certain thing that was going on and maybe in my life or what I saw even in the church. Actually, I, I don't use this word very often, but um, the songs were actually speaking about some of the moves that we even, even experienced here before they happened. Um, I don't give myself credit for that. I only give God credit for that. And I'm not the only one, and listen to this, I'm not the only one that's meant to inherit or is inheriting these melodies. We are inheriting these melodies in our lives. So when I was thinking, man, this doesn't make any sense, God was telling me that's right. These songs aren't necessarily just for people to hear and, and enjoy like the songs we hear nowadays, Elevation Worship and, and Bethel and all these amazing comp compositions of music, but it's meant to be examined. And it took me to 1 Peter. Let's, let's read that real quick. 1 Peter 2.9. And it says like this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. When it says that we're, we're a chosen people, we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, he's, the, that verse, and I don't know if in, in other uh, versions it's saying, is that we are a peculiar people. We are peculiar. We're not something that's necessarily the norm, right? We, we kind of bring a different melody to this world, a, a different flavor. And it's not so that people can just look at us and be like, 
oh, I've heard that before, you know. No, it's that the melody that comes forth from our lives, the, the, the lifestyle that we establish ourselves in when we know God and we come to him, then all of a sudden makes somebody think like, oh, wait a second, I don't think I've heard that before. You know, like, like I know they've heard the name of Jesus, okay. Like, I don't, I think maybe 99.9% .9 of this world knows the name of Jesus. Maybe there's some tribes or something that don't. But, but there's something different. It's not just the name that we're just saying, oh, I believe in Jesus. And oh, yeah, I've heard of him. No, no, but that we're walking in this place in our relationship with God that as we walk, some, they start actually seeing a different melody. They start experiencing or observing a different tune that they have not seen before. Because we know that this world, obviously, you know, many people say, yeah, yeah, Jesus, of course, I, I love him. I know him. But what is, the, what is your lifestyle? What is the melody that's, that you're bringing forth that shows this world something different, something they've never, they've never heard before? So then he was also telling me that, you know, I didn't necessarily have to explain this, but, you know, I was thinking this. I was like, man, Lord, I don't want to have to explain this song. But at the same time, God was telling me that this is something that we need to examine. Why? Because if our lives are peculiar before God, if our lives as believers are peculiar, they're not the same, they're not common, then people are going to examine if they're interested, right? If they so desire, they're going to be examining what your life is all about. So you're peculiar. Man, I've never met that kind of person before that does this. I've heard of God, but I've never seen God necessarily. And we are that image then. We become that image. And they start examining our lives. And I want you guys to realize this. We are living out purposely to be examined by the world. That's, that's our purpose. That's one of the things that God does through us. So, so we must carry a particular melody in order for them to examine more closely. Amen? So we see um, uh, a lot of this peculiarity that's a hard word to say, peculiarity, um, that, that must be examined in, in, when Jesus was alive and he lived. What did Jesus do when he was teaching, when he was before everybody? He was speaking in parables. And it wasn't that he was trying to speak in riddles. God wasn't just saying something to try to confuse the people. He was actually trying to bring something for the people to understand using their language, telling a story. So that's what the parable was parable was a way of expressing a point through a story but what what happens that there was some who were hearing this story they were hearing this melody this new melody that was walking amongst them right and then as he gives them the story some of them are saying oh yeah that's that's so familiar to me I get what you're saying right yeah you're explaining what you explain you know when you speak in parables yeah it's like an everyday thing it's like this this life that we live it's such as this and he, but he's saying the kingdom of God is such as, and he breaks it down for them. And then some of them are satisfied with that. They're, oh, okay, cool. And then there's some of them are saying, wait a, wait a second. You came walking here and you're bringing a new message. You, 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 you speak of, of God differently and you're, you're giving us this, this parable for us to grasp. But yet there's more to this parable. You're not just talking about, uh, you know, common everyday life. There's more to it. And so there was people who actually desired more from the parable he was giving. So, so 
So he used the parables before the crowd. And it was those who wanted to examine, those who wanted to know more than just the story he was giving that was actually going to receive. They desired, they desired more. They desired um, to seek the meaning behind the parable. Um, and, you know, God is simple to be found. I mean, he's, he comes and he, sh and he gives us the message of salvation, you know, so that we can come to know the Lord, so that we can be saved, right? So we can go to heaven, all this stuff. But, but God is not a shallow God. He's, he's deeper than that. And what, how do we know that we actually want or desire or even believe in that? Is that we're actually seeking it out. It's not that we're hearing the message and saying, oh, that's cool. That's very nice. I, you know, I got goosebumps when he said that. Because we can come here and we say that. We got, you know, man, that was, that was powerful. And we're touched by it. But then all of a sudden, there's no seeking of it. There's no follow-through. Um, so it's not hard to find God when he's speaking to us. But we must desire to know him. We must desire to know what he's speaking into our hearts. And I, when I was hearing the voice of God, I felt like I was hesitating um, because I was stuck trying to make sense of it all. But it's not that I had to know exactly everything he was speaking about. Is that I would receive it, know that there's truth in that, and move in it. And then as I came to, to God, as I continued to seek him, then those things in my life that he was speaking to me about were going to be revealed through faith. But first, sometimes we try to figure it out, right? God speaks to us a word. And then all of a sudden, we're like, okay, wait, I don't know if this is exactly what's, what, you know, what I'm receiving. I think, I feel like God is trying to tell me something, but let me just sit on this a little more. Instead of saying, you know, I know, I know God spoke to me something very particular, and I'm going to move in faith on that, despite not knowing it all. So we can't, lack that, we can't let the lack of understanding to paralyze our faith. We have to move in that when we hear it. So... The reason I, I kind of wanted to start sharing this, talk about examining um, and about the melody that he was giving me um, was because when he speaks to us, um, the, what he was telling me is this, how do we respond to the heart of a father when he calls out to us? Like when your father, your father or your mother calls out to you, um, how do you respond to that call? Like when, when your father or mother call a gathering, you know, uh, they want to get together. It's, it's Christmas. It's Thanksgiving. How do we respond to that call? Or if there's something that he really wants to share with you or she really wants to share with you, how do we respond to the call after we hear him say, hey, I want you to come close. I have something to tell you. And I want to examine that in Acts, Acts 2. I want, let's all go to Acts In Acts 2, verse 14, and this is where I want to share a lot of Bible with you guys. In Acts 2, what had happened is the day of Pentecost came, right? People were speaking in tongues. Um, the apostles, um, the, the people around there were receiving tongues as a fire. Uh, and a, a great move of the Holy Spirit had occurred. And... To everyone, this was something that had never been experienced before in Acts. So there was a great gathering of people, and then God starts moving. The Spirit of God starts moving in a certain way, and all of a sudden, it's a new sound that was never heard before. 
it was a new movement that had occurred before the people. And everybody, you know, all the people that weren't, you know, were around, that were watching this occur or that were hearing this happen, then were just like, what is this all about? And then they started, you know, as, these, as the apostles and as these people were speaking in tongues and all these great miracles were occurring before them, they start actually thinking these people must be drunk because we've never seen that before, right? So what was happening is they were actually receiving a new melody before the people. There was a new sound occurring before the people. And the people were completely thrown off. They, have no, they had no idea what was going on. And I want to read from 14 because this is what happens after the people experience the move of the Holy Spirit. All right? Check this. It says, verse 14, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great glorious day of the Lord. He's talking here about the last days back in the times of the New Testament, right? Back when, after Jesus passed away. He's saying in the last days, God will pour out I will, God says, I will pour out my spirit. Okay, 2019. Were those the last days? Well, doesn't the Bible say like one day is like a thousand days to the Lord? Right, and a thousand days is like one. So were they living in the last days? Yeah. Very well could be, yeah. Are we living in the last days? Yeah. So if it's saying, it's saying in the last days, we keep saying that. God is going to come. God is going to come. I don't know why one is God is going to come. Maybe he's not going to come for another thousand more years. I don't know. But I believe we're living in the last days. If they said we're living in the last days, then I'm saying I'm living in the last days. And if that's what they say, then the next verse you see, it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. So what are we believing here? Do we believe that God is pouring out a spirit on all people? Are we the people that God is still pouring out a spirit on? So if God still speaks to us, God still moves in new ways, God still gives us new melodies, such as this, such as Paul, uh, sorry, Peter was talking to the people about of what they've never seen before, then maybe we need to believe the same thing, that God still has a melody to give us for this world. That if he gave them something that they had never seen, what makes us think that God is not going to give us a melody, a sound that this world has never seen? I believe that we are supposed to receive a sound now that may not necessarily be new in heaven in all eternity. Because to God, all things, he's the same yesterday, today, and, and forevermore. But what happens? Maybe he's trying to reestablish a sound that we lost. Maybe there's a melody in our body, in the body of Christ, that was lost. And maybe we're called to inherit something greater. Maybe we're called to reestablish what we lost as a body. You know what we lost? One of the things we lost as a body, reverence. You say the name Christian, what do people think? 
They think they're a joke. But when Paul, Peter, the apostles, the disciples, forget about it. When they walked around, people revered them. So what did we lose as a body? Why? I don't know. Maybe we compromised a lot of our ways. Maybe we compromised a lot of our faith. And we're still learning how to come back and reestablish that melody that we once had. This is the melody that we have, guys. This is the melody that we can live a life, that we can live a life before man, devoted to God, that when we live, people revere Christ through us. That's what I believe. And that's what I'm receiving. And that's what I'm going to walk in. I'm going to go up to somebody now and speak to them about the Lord, not in the back, with something in the back of my head that says, man, this, if I say Jesus, they're going to just laugh at me. But coming to them in, under an authority that says, when I speak the name of Jesus, mountains move. What does it mean? Am I, am I trying to move? I'm not going to shout to a mountain. I'm not going to go to Puerto Rico or Cuba and try to shout to a mountain. I'm going to come before somebody, a mountain that seems immovable, and they will be moved. Why? Because God lives inside of you. God lives inside of me. So what are we walking in? What is the melody that we must be singing to this world? We have to stop trying to imitate or worry about how great the song was that we sang. And we have to start thinking about the melodies that God is asking you to bring out. Bring forth a melody. So I'm going to keep reading. I'm just going to start with 26. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will let your Holy One see decay. He's, he's here talking about what David said about him. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you, this is, this is Peter. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried in his tomb. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that would, uh, that would place one of his descendants on his throne. Of course, Jesus we're talking about here. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of, of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned in the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God was raised this, uh, this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you see now and hear. For David, and then and he goes on, and I just want to finish this i'm not going to read the whole thing but i'm going to read actually the last part of it after peter gives his this whole spiel about why this occurred why the spirit moves before us what what did i just see and what's going on what's this new sound that we're hearing in the end of his whole explanation this is what he says to them in verse 40 with many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them save yourselves from this corrupt generation and look at verse 41 those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their numbers that day. And so my question was, how do we respond, how do we respond to the heart of the Father when he, when he speaks to us, when he actually brings a new melody, a new sound before our company? How do we respond to what he's calling us into? When he calls us or he speaks to us. In verse 37... It says, what the people heard this, when, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Are you asking yourselves that question? When God is speaking, when God is giving you something new, when God is moving in a different way, are you asking yourself this question, what do we do? And in verse 40, he says, those who accepted the message were baptized. 
you move in obedience. You move in obedience to the Lord. You move in obedience and faith to that message that he gives you. So you respond correctly. The way we respond correctly before the Lord is obeying that, which we've heard. And then what happens? You become the melody. How do I know that this has anything to do with melody? After they receive the sound from the Lord, tongues of fire, them speaking in tongues, that's a sound. Then what happens? How do I know that that occurrence, that move of the spirit actually brought forth a new melody? Well, look at verse 42. What happens to the body of Christ after the move of the spirit? What happens to the community of believers after the, after the spirit moved with something completely different, something completely new? They start becoming a melody. Look. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property. They sold possessions or they gave possessions, gave them to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved, so on and so forth. They were living, they began to live a lifestyle that they had not lived before. Actually, I've said this before, a lifestyle that was considered um, uncommon, uncommon before the, uh, the religious leaders or before even the Jewish law because it seemed unclean to do what they were doing. It was not common. It was particular. It was different. It needed to be examined and that's exactly what happened. Then all of a sudden, you see the Pharisees and, and just religious, they start, be, they start becoming persecuted for this. There's persecution that happens because what? Because they start living out this melody before man. And they start examining what's going on. And guess what, guys? There's people that are going to receive it. There's people that are going to hear our melody, the one that we give, a genuine melody out of our, from our lifestyle of devotion to God. But there's going to be people that are going to persecute us for it. And I think there's going to be a great glory that's going to come. And for us, a great pain maybe. Because as a result of our faith for the Lord, as a result of what we live in and what we believe, there's, there is persecution that we're going to face, face. There is people that are going to speak bad of us. There's, there's people that are going to lie about us. And there's persecution that, that, that will come into, this, you know, into our faith, into, into the people of God. So a lifestyle devotion allows us to become the melody. And what is, what is a lifestyle devotion? We've heard this in the church many times, like devotion. Oh, you got to be devoted. We, it's a, it's a, a devote, you know, you have to grow in your devotion to God. What does that mean? What does it mean to be devoted to God? Well, I think the easiest way we can relate that is how do we devote ourselves to our spouses? How do we devote ourselves to our wives or our husbands? How do we devote ourselves to our children? Because I think those, those are the most important, I think what we value the most here, right? Family. So how do we devote ourselves to them? We honor them. We obey, right? We, we sacrifice. This is all part of what devotion is all about. But I, I think sometimes it's hard for us to define that. that we trust in them. We, we, we have faith in them. As we are sacrificing to those we devote ourselves to, then how is it any different 
when you look at your life with your spouse or your children or your family, how is your devotion to them any different than your devotion to the Lord? Because if there's a difference between that devotion, then I, I will say this, you can catch your own revelation of where you stand before God because of your devotion to your family and you can catch a revelation of where you stand before your family because you have a devotion to God. Does that make sense to you? There's a correlation there. There's a correlation. We can say, oh, I love God. I, I honor him. I give him all. And, and yet you're not coming or you still haven't um, given that same devotion or you're not learning or, or listening to God, to what he's trying to speak to you and offering that same devotion to your family and vice versa. Devotion is giving honor, trust, obeying, sacrificing, all these good things that are difficult, but they're worth it. In 2 Timothy, Timothy 3, 1 through 7, it says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Uh, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasting, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the form of godliness, but denying its power. Do we have a form of godliness? But do we deny our, his power through our lives? Because we can be ethical and we could be moral. We, have, we can be a great person. But is our life, is our lifestyle denying the very power of God? If it is, then, if it is, then, we have to be very careful because maybe we are becoming the false teachers. I mean, if we're not living out what we're saying, maybe we're becoming the false teachers. If there's no, nobody's perfect here. We're growing. But if there's not a, if there's not a growth, if there's not a transformation in your life, and if you look back a year from now, two years from now, and really nothing's changed, then there's something to examine. Are you really testifying of Christ? Sometimes we can teach the qualities of God without inheriting the melody of God. Sometimes we can teach the qualities. I can stand here and teach you all about God. But unless I'm receiving a melody that he's giving me and I'm pouring that melody out, I'm giving this to you, I'm just teaching you the qualities of God. We can function with those qualities. We, we do. We can be good without knowing God. We can love without necessarily Receiving that love from the Lord. We know the formulas, guys. We know how to live out those formulas. But living out the formulas doesn't mean that we know Christ. It's, it's when that comes from a reverential life displayed or, and, and devoted to our God. Then we actually bring out a melody that they haven't heard. Because it doesn't mean that they've never seen love before, but they've never seen love like that before. It doesn't mean that they've never seen joy before or happiness, but they've never seen lasting joy like that before. Pastor Max, Pastor Max came in here a couple of weeks ago. By the way, this, I, I know I haven't mentioned the word melody. I've mentioned the word melodies, but maybe you're thinking, well, what does, has, does it have to do with melodies? Well, 
aside from what I said, Pastor Max came over here and he started saying some words to me that I never heard. It's never happened to me before. I've never had somebody come up to me and, or come by me and start speaking into my life the way he did. That's never happened to me. And Pastor Max, that, that day, and I thank him for this, uh, he spoke words that God had been giving me for a while. And he actually challenged me because a lot of times I was thinking outside the box. Um, God was giving me this word of melody and what it means. And I was thinking things differently and it didn't make sense to me. And I, know how to, I didn't know how to express it. And I, I don't know if I still do. I, st I think I'm still learning how to express myself with what I mean when I say melodies. But um, he told me when, when, when he was here that day, he said, oh, you have a prophetic song in you. And it's funny because that's what I felt God was doing in my life. Um, and he said, but you're, you haven't stepped outside the box yet. And, um, and I'm stepping outside the box because I don't want to think outside the box and not allow God to move me as I step outside the box, move in him, in what he wants to do. So, so I sent a text to a lot of you recently. Um, and that was a little bit of me stepping outside the box. I sent a text that had uh, just kind of a mixture of, of words that I had been receiving over time from the Lord. And I know you guys saw that text, half of you at least, and had no clue what I was saying. But it's okay. It's okay. Because if you desire to know the Lord, if you, does not, if you desire to know God, and you think, and you're saying that you believe God, then I believe that there should be a desire in you to understand what those words mean for you. That's why I gave them to you. I didn't give them to you for you to understand everything that was, that was going on. I didn't expect that to happen. I knew it wasn't. But that was me stepping outside the box and saying, guys, God is trying to tell you something. And if you hunger for him, if you hunger, if you have something greater inside of you, if there's a greater passion inside of you than just saying, I know God, if there's something else going on where you actually want to know God, not just know about God, then I challenge you to examine those words for yourself. Because I promise you that if you seek him, that if you desire God more than anything else, anything in your life, even family, your spouse, your child, if you desire him more than anything else, you're going to receive answers from God. But I gave that to people because I wanted to hopefully instigate a hunger inside of them. Or maybe it was something that was going to draw a line to maybe show them maybe you don't know God. Maybe you need more of God. So if you desire to understand that, I'm not saying you're supposed to know it at that moment, but seek it out and you will know. So Pastor Max tells me to step outside the box. And this is me. I'm going to step outside the box. This is what I've been keeping in my box. Eli. Where's Eli? I wrote a song. And it was a melody that you gave me. You never sold your rights to your song. This will be a crown laid at his feet. 
I want you to examine that because God's going to speak to you through that. You probably know what it, already know what it is. Omar and Jessica, you're singing a song we have not heard in a long time. It is contagious and it will not grow old. Adrian and Charlene, you're causing your song to be louder than theirs. Luis and Vanessa Lozano, which I know are not here because they're on vacation, but I'm going to speak this anyways. You're learning to sing a song from the heart God has given you. Kathy, is Kathy here? I'm going to sing it anyways, and I want her to hear this. Your song will redefine your calling. Armando, Armando. You, brother. Listen to this. You teach us how to sing. You teach us how to sing. Marlene. Is Marlene here? I'm going to sing this. You are singing a lullabies unto an Esther. And God stands to listen. Astrid and Lucho, where are you? I'm honored to sing next to you. Isaiah, you're singing one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. Betsy and Angel, you're singing a song of harmony and it's being perfected. Danny, I don't know if Danny's here. Your song holds great potential. When you release it, it will not be denied. Regal Sr. and Sophie. Your sweet melody causes the wonder of God to arise in this place, in this body. Maori and Alex. Oh, where's Maori? Alexandra. A song of conviction has dominated your world. Mercy and Lewis. Your song of sincerity brings revival. And it brought it here already one time. Jose and Isa Diaz. Passion is the name of the song you encounter. Jose and Jean. Your song will be a beacon to many. Put your pen down and let him write it for you. Nina and Enrique. Many songs fill us, but only one song will satisfy. Mari and Jose. God offers you a new melody that will never fade. Mom, your melody will never cease to exist. Juan and Elena, 
you carry a strong melody of family. It's reached me to the depths of my heart. But there are sons and daughters that are calling to sing this melody next to you. Don't deny God this honor. My wife. I want to sing my song to instigate a greater love than when we first married. I want the music ministry to come up. I'm just going to read this to you because I don't speak well. I don't think so, at least. I write well. I don't speak well. But it's okay because I'm stepping out of the box. It all begins with a melody. Everything begins with a melody. This message was just an introduction to a melody that I want to talk to you guys about. It was just my introduction. Will the melody of our lives be so attractive, so intriguing, so unique and unheard of to man that they stop to listen and consider the lyrics to our song? Will our melodies cause something to be stirred in the lives of others around us, even if we don't have the opportunity to share those words? Will they be stirred for more than just the common good? Will they be stirred for Yahweh? Will they recognize that there is something divine in us? Not just something good. Is this new song of which the Bible speaks about the words of worship that would be uttered from the melodies of our lives devoted to God and lived out before man? Can we be the generation that stops singing the familiar popular tunes this world has memorialized and embraced and accepted regarding the struggle to overcome the pains that ail us? And can we live with the strength of knowing that those things that used to cause us pain are for his great glory? We hear a lot of melodies, we hear a lot of songs. But when somebody hears your song, are they going to see something other than just something good? Are they going to see something other than just good works? Are they going to see Jesus? Ask yourself that question. Because I do believe that we, we can become the melody of God. That we don't have to wait for the piano to start playing. That we don't have to wait for Betsy to start singing. That we don't have to wait for a harmony to come forth and for us to feel a certain emotion in order for us to bring forth God a song of worship I believe we're inheriting this and this body you guys have a part to play in this melody you have a part let's stand
we always have to examine ourselves as a church because we have to realize that the world is examining us as Jesus we always have to examine ourselves as the body of Christ because the world sees or apparently we proclaim before man and they supposedly see Jesus so let's not just say that we desire God let's become a melody before him that's that's all I that's what this message is let's just spend some time guys when I and you don't have to turn all the lights off yet turn them some some off just, that's fine take a moment to examine the melody that God is trying to give you today or wants you to inherit 